Well, it's this is my my favorite phrase in radio, uh, the very thriving medium, where they say play the hits, and this is play the hits, part two, where I bring back one of the best guests, some of the best guests I've ever had on my show before, and Sawyer Bittner is no exception to that. Probably the most popular guest that has ever been featured on my podcast, over 130 something episodes. You, my friend, are ranked as number one for most listens. So I'm. Very, very grateful for you to be back joining me. Thank you for having me. Wow, that's a, I didn't know that. That's an honor. I think more so it's like the the people of Moose Jaw and probably like my parents probably listened to that episode like a hundred times each. But uh, no, I, I I love your work and I I'm happy to be back chopping it up with you. I think that was like two years ago, two and yeah, half, almost two years ago. So lots changed since then. But you're still doing your thing. I'm still doing my thing. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I mean. I think one of the the biggest messages of this podcast, we'll just dive right in, is, uh, and we were just chit chatting about it a little bit before we started, but this th- this turning of the guard with our generation related to our work life balance, the relationship with work, and how you enjoy yourself and not feel miserable twenty four seven. You were recently playing football in France, which seems to me like one of the most potentially incredible experiences for an athlete, especially since you came from playing U sports where the level is probably a lot higher on average. And then you go to Europe and you get to travel and play football. What was that? What was the, the entirety of that experience like based on what you thought going in versus what it actually turned out being? Mm. Yeah. A lot of people have asked me that. And I really haven't had like the time to like, so this is really nice to actually have time to sit down and talk about it. Cause man, like, I was there for six months. You know, when you go through an experience that like you're there for like a, a short amount of time in your life, but it feels like it was like, it was six months for like 60 years at some point. So it was like, it was like really challenging. It was like fun at some points. It was like maddening at other points. I'm like, what am I doing on here? Then I'm like, oh, this is sweet. So every day was something new. Um, And so like, I think that's the biggest thing, expectations of like, I was, so before I went, I left for France. I, I had finished school. I had kind of done my university football career. And then I was like, well, I guess, it, you know, I get a job. So you're supposed to do. So I went, uh, trying to get a job in the history field, but unless you're a librarian, you're not going to be getting, uh, you know, I wasn't, I had dreams of being like Indiana Jones, but that didn't work out. Um, I think that's archaeology, actually. Archaeology shit. Well, like he likes history too. So I'm like, well, when I was a kid, I was like, man, he must have like a history background or something like that. But like that didn't work out. And so I got a job doing horizontal drilling, knew nothing about it. I hate doing construction. I don't like any, really doing like any of that shit, to be honest with you. But I was like, I heard the wage. I was like, well, I can do this for a little bit. So I did it. It was making good money. Um, but in the back of my mind, I always, since I was a kid, I always wanted to go do this, play football in Europe. I knew opportunities there. I talked to guys that had done it, um, but knew nothing about it. So one day, fuck so long, but I was in Fort McMurray. Uh, I'd actually fallen down the stairs one day at work and my hand like blew up. I was like, I remember calling my mom and dad be like, I think I broke my hand. And they're like, no, no, you're fine. So I'm like, I tape up my hand. I'm, I'm working in Fort Mac. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I remember hopping on the computer, looking up, like, how can I go play football in Europe? And I found this site called Euro players. And what, basically it's like a, a database. You throw up your film there and then teams reach out to you. <laughs> and so I was like, well, maybe I'll do it. So I get back. It turns out my, my wrist was broken. <laughs> So I got surgery for that. I'm in a cast. They put me on light duty at work. I'm on the computer. I'm supposed to be like working, but all, all day I was kind of just on Euro players, like looking up like different teams, different countries. 
And then, so I, I threw up my film. I was like, well, you know, we'll see what happens. And then a week later, I talked to a team in Australia, a team in uh, Egypt, the Cairo Bears. And then Damn. I ended up, yeah, it's crazy. It's wild how many teams there is. I ended up going to play in Cannes, so the Cannes Ironmasters. I knew a coach uh, from my time at U Ottawa that was coaching out there. Um, Wayne Jacobs, a great guy. So I ended up playing out there. It was kind of a whirlwind. I, I signed in October and then I'm getting on a plane on January 3rd. Uh, I, I guess getting back to expectations, I literally had no idea what to expect. Um, I'd never been to Europe before. I had never like, traveled abroad before. Um, it had been a while since I played football, honestly. Like it had been, I had, I didn't play that 2022 season. So I'm like, I don't feel good. I felt in good shape, but like you said, it's tough until you get out there. Like I hadn't competed at all. And so, um, I get out there the first practice. We have 40 guys of practice. Practices are fairly structured. Like I said, the, the talent level I could tell wasn't as good, but we had our awesome running back, uh, Xavier Johnson, played at uh, South Alabama, actually, Brandon Bridge. Um, so we had 40 players the first day. I'm like, oh, this is pretty sweet. Like, this is good. This is sweet. And then um, the next week of practice, we had like 25 guys. I was like, oh, that's, you know, a little bit, little bit less guys. And we only practiced twice a week. And so I'm like, I'm like, boys, I'm like, where's all the guys? They're like, oh, you know, they come and go. So I'm like, okay. And then kind of week by week, there was less and less, you know, guys. Um, and so, and I ended up getting hurt early. I ended up like almost, like, I thought I had sports hernia. My groin literally blew up. So I missed a couple games. Uh, I come back. I play really well. And our, we play at a night game in Cannes. We win. Uh, I think things are going good. Uh, and then I get a concussion <laughs> two weeks later. So I had to kind of grind through that. Uh, but the season, we ended up losing in our conference final by three in Paris. We took a 12-hour bus trip overnight <laughs> to play the next day. So just stuff like that, man. Again, I'm getting long-winded, but, like, I just – there's so much I could – there's so many details in it. Um, but it was just – all in all, it was a really challenging experience. I kind of thought maybe it would, like, be this grandiose adventure. I think kind of like yourself, right? When you took that job, you're like, oh, man, this is going to fix all my problems. My life's going to be so fucking good. And not that I had like big life problems, but I was kind of stuck being like, I don't like my job here. I'm going to go to Europe. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to meet so many nice French girls. And the French girls are very nice. Uh, I'm going to like, I'm going to be on the beach every day. And I was, I lived by the beach. It was really cool. But I, I think it just gets back to the thing of expectations and like, you really never know what's going to happen. You just got to make the best of it. And I know I did that. So I'm proud of that. And again, I'm sort of getting extremely long winded, but it was like, a, I was there for six months, but it felt like I was there for like, six years so it was like uh i do have to write a book about it one day because uh and we're gonna run out of time here on zoom i apologize for that man but it was like it was pretty crazy it was a crazy time man i remember when i was at university of calgary and leaving and there was guys talking about like i want to go play in europe and this and that and i always thought to myself i'm like man like that might be a cool avenue and i know exactly what you're talking about where you see this opportunity to travel play football, get your expenses paid, dude. Like that's, that's sick. It's like being someone in the Regina Red Sox. Like as long as your living expenses are covered and you get a little bit on top of that and you get to live in a cool place, what's the downside. But then you realize when you leave Canada, Oh, 99% of places are far more disorganized. It's (laughs) way more hodgepodge, like patched together. It's like the the, the perfect movie quote that I want to use for this is when in Napoleon Dynamite, Napoleon and Uncle Rico are at the store where Summer Wheatley works and he goes to the cash register and he puts down the pack of markers. And then Uncle Rico looks at Napoleon and says, come on, Napoleon, you know, we can't afford the fun pack. We're just going to have to mix and match. 
literally went to surprise playing football outside yeah. of Canada and the US, man. Even like guys who go into Mexico, it's like it, it, you really have no idea what it could be like, man. One week it's great, and the next week it's hell on earth. And yeah. and um there's a stoic quote that I think it's Marcus Aurelius or one of those guys who says, like, every place you go to run for your problems, eventually there you are. Yeah. Like you are yeah. always with yourself. So it's not about, oh, I need to go to this place to solve these problems and these things. But it's very easy for us to get caught in that frame of mind. We're like, dude, France, like every time I see your Insta story, I'm like, man, your life's a movie or a Cannes film festival. You might do this. You might do that. But like, you really don't know, again, all the details that go into that experience. It looks glamorous on the outside, but yeah, it's the picture of Homer when he's like flexing and then the back, yeah. it's like. Tied oh, <laughs> up. Yeah, yeah. Back, that. Yeah, man, a hundred percent. And oh, that's a great time because if you looked at my Instagram stories, they'd be like, oh, this man's like, living the dream and a lot like i was i, I never was like I'm, i was super grateful for the opportunity right like i was in southern france playing football like how many people get to say that and i was in, in the french riviera like a guy in moose jaw like you should see how the people dressed on there i was not fitting in at all but like i didn't want to but um like monaco is 30 minutes away i went to monaco and the yachts are like as big as my house here in moose jaw and stuff like that so i'm getting to see these like crazy crazy things um but at the same time like i was there to play football um and, you know, not to, I don't want to put anyone like a negative light or whatever, but they just, and uh, my French teammates are awesome. A lot of the guys are awesome. Um, I had a few challenging teammates and, you know, um, some of the people at the head of our organization were a little challenging to deal with. But like you said, I didn't have any expectations, but it was so much different from what I'm used to, right? Like you said, some days we had 12 guys at practice. Right. And then we play a game and the way it works there is most you, you have a two week buy because they think football is like very rough. So you need time to rest in between. So, man, and like those are long two weeks. Right. And like you said, like I was out there for the first month. It's like when you go to a new place, everything is cool. Right. Oh, my God. Look at the bread. There's bakeries everywhere. Look at the sea. But then after a while, it's like, man, you got to cook for yourself. You got to do laundry. Like you're still living out here. And it's a lot different from Moose Shot. It's beautiful. But at the same time, you know, you kind of get into that routine and the glamour kind of wears off and from the outside it looks like it's all like perfect but like day to day it was it was still amazing but it was tough like we had a lot of time we'd go to the gym practice twice a week and if we don't have a game like that's a lot of off time right and i'm not a rich guy and the french riviera is really expensive so like it's not like people are like oh you just go here just go here it's like man i don't have money just to be like you know for, i mean flights in europe are cheap but i can't just hop on a flight like three times a week right i saw everything i wanted to see um, but it's, it's tough day to day. I think that's why you're doing a great show of like, just cause it, it looks good. There's still some gritty parts that I think people, you know, miss cause just cause they don't see it. I think that's what you're doing here is good. And I want to get that across. Cause I thought I was going to go to France and things are going to be like sweet every day is going to be like vacation. And then I'll go tear it up on the field. And like, I played well, but like I got hurt twice and missed some games. And then, like you said, practicing twice a week, uh, with sometimes 15 guys. And then they're like, well, why isn't our passing game good? Well, it's like, because we're practicing twice a week. <laughs> right? 15 guys in a different language, right? And so, like, I think basketball, you can, for the most part, you can just, some basketball people get mad at me, but I think you can show up maybe once a week, twice a week and go play a game, but football-wise. For sure, for sure. Uh, I don't think you can do it offensively. No. Offensively, no. Um, so, so yeah, just, like, the day-to-day was interesting. You know, it was, it taught me a lot about myself, though, uh, which, which I'm, proud of and I, I handle a lot of adversity i treated people uh, as best as i could 
Um, even when sometimes like I, I didn't get treated the best, but again, it is what it is. Um, and I don't want to sound like it was a negative experience because I don't think they're the older I get. I think you could probably say the same thing. Negative, positive kind of gets blurred and it's kind of just like an experience and you pick and choose like how it was. Now that I look back on it, uh, I look at all just a big learning opportunity and sometimes the longest six months of my life. <laughs> yeah, man, that's, that's, that's so true. And I've talked to a lot of people who have become digital nomads and lived in Europe or lived in South America. And the, the classic thing you hear all the time is people say, Oh, you're living the dream and you know, it must be nice, but guess what? You move a lot or you're away from your friends and family or it's more expensive or there's a language barrier or X, Y, Z. There's a million things. Like you said, like you're a guy from Moose Jaw who is not, you know, of Monacan descent or something. So if you live in French Riviera from Moose Jaw, like people, I was having a conversation when the last day I was in Regina, actually, uh, with a guy who, whatever, he was just someone who picked me up and was the shuttle driver for, for uh, Regina Motor Products. And he was saying to me, he's like, man, he's like, oh, it's so expensive living in Canada. And I was saying to him, I was like, man, like when I was in Fiji, like people there make like 250 Canadian an hour and still have the exact same living expenses as we do in Regina and Winnipeg. <laughs> with the com- currency exchange so imagine if someone slashed your salary by a thousand percent and still ta- and the cost of everything stayed the same like imagine mm-hmm. that or imagine if you live in europe and the cost of things are way more like in switzerland or some places in france right people think that paris is this beautiful place and yes there's lots of nice things but people there can be rude they don't yeah. like tourists they don't like immigrants <laughs> you know it's dirty a lot everyone smokes which is everyone different smokes. Right? Like yeah. it's smoking indoors, smoking outdoors, like it's the seventies. Everybody, it was crazy. I heard that everyone smokes. I'm like, ah, oh, I got a lot of it. We had guys smoking at halftime of one of our at halftime of our games. I look over there talking about like what our adjustments are in the on the 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 museum uh, demi on second second half. Like we had one guy, Andrew, who I love, the linebacker, pregame. He's walking in, he has a <laughs> he's a thing of chicken nuggets, he's dunking. He has a dart coming out of his mouth and he has an espresso in his, in his hand. And he's given like, they do like the two cheek greetings. So he's giving guys the two cheeks as he holds his dart in his mouth and these chicken nuggets and has espresso. I was like, man, this is crazy. So stuff like that's like really funny. And like, it's stuff I remember for a long time. But like you said, like, it's just like, it's a lot different. And I knew it would be, but until you do it, I think that's what the good thing about traveling. You said in Fiji, I'm, I'm sure you saw like tons of stuff that kind of blew your mind. But for them, it's like, well, it's just day to day. And in France, I saw that uh, as well. I, I, that's one of the best things I think about traveling is you don't, you can't broaden your perspective if you never go see different points of view or different places. So, I find that it can be difficult at times trying to work that balance between traveling and living while you're young versus people who are like, well, if you travel and you just run away from your problems, you're gonna, you're taking yourself with you everywhere you go. So you're not really, it's not curing your depression or you're not changing anything like it's more an internal battle. And so this, this kind of leads me to what we were talking about before we started recording with like, what do you do for like the, the perspective, I guess maybe it's more of our, about our culture in Canada than it is what we experience day to day is like, what do you do for work? What do you do for school? And it just seems like, I don't know, like, it seems like that's the highest priority where people label you, or categorize you and your value as based on where, what study, what academic degree you've achieved or what job you work. And it's not like, I don't know. I, I met, I met a group of Brazilian friends in Regina who 
were basically became the best thing that ever happened from being there. And when I met them, I never asked what they did for work. I just asked them where they're from and what soccer team they like and that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until the last day that I was actually like, yo, I never actually got around to asking, but what do you guys do for work? Just because I'm curious and because I don't think this will ever come up in conversation again, if I don't ask you now. And they were saying, yeah, like, oh, we do this and do that. And we try to get by, but it wasn't even a big topic of conversation. It's like, I care more about my friends, my community, my family than I do about, oh my goodness, I work as a driller. I work at this place. Like, I don't Mm. know. It's, it's a difficult position to be in. So I understand exactly what you're going through. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's always a question, right? Like, what do you do? And then you say it, and I don't think people listen after that. Yeah. I was done playing football because, like, I've never been a big ego guy, but I could be the guy in Moose Shaw. I was like a football guy. And they'd be like, oh, you know, what are you doing this year? I'm like, oh, I'm in Ottawa. Or, you know, I, or I played, you know, Team Canada. Or like, you know, and that's cool to say that to people. And then once that was done and they're asking, what are you doing? And you have to say, oh, I'm doing horizontal drilling. You can see them be like, oh, interesting. People from where I'm from around here, it is like, you know, at this age, get a job, get married, buy a house, and then that's it. And live your life in Moose Shore and surrounding areas. And for me, I'm just kind of battling that right now. Like, I don't really think I can, I could do that, but I don't really want Right. So it's just kind of finding my identity now outside of football now that I'm done. And also like, well, shit, what do I do? what I would do next and dealing with kind of expectations of, of people. So that's definitely been something I've kind of been battling for a while now, but I'm definitely kind of getting a better grasp on it. And I think one of the difficult things, that's just the reality of when guys keep playing football and I've seen guys chase dreams into, into perpetuity. And I'm like, at some point or another, there, there comes a part of you that has to move on or that can't be tied or married to, your identity mm-hmm. playing football. I remember when I first stopped playing, it was not even really out of my choice as it is for most people, right? You get hurt or you get cut or released if you're a pro and then that's it. No one wants to sign you and you're done. And it's not because you wanted to, it's because no one else wanted you. And I remember going through that the first time when I, I tried it for the Bisons after playing junior and then I got cut and I was like, well, I know the very realistic chance. There's a realistic chance. I may never play football ever again. And after that happened, for the first first few days, I was kind of lost. And then when I got a job to work with the football team, I realized, wow, I actually love this way more than any time I ever spent playing football, except for like mm-hmm. grade 12, because that was like so unexpected and what started this journey. So what have you done to explore the kinds of things that you like doing or figuring out what you may do in the day-to-day in the next, who knows how much time? Mm-hmm. That process kind of started, honestly, when I was in France, kind of near the end. And I remember I was waking up to go to practice. And for the first time in my life, I was like, you know, I don't really feel like practicing today. And I was like, and I felt like that sometimes. We had a tough week at Ottawa, a tough week of Thunder with the Rams. But then you get up to practice, hang out with the guys, and you start throwing. And I'm like, ah, man, I love I love throwing. It's just this is what I, I love to do. I love hanging out with the boys and chopping it up. And then, you know, my last weeks in France, I'd be out there kind of warming up and I'd be like, man, I, just, I don't really feel like throwing a ball today. And I was like, I would go home and be like, just kind of sit there and be like, man, that this is weird. This hasn't happened to me before. Um, but I'm proud of myself because I could have just buried it down and been like, no, I'll keep going. Like I'm, I'll go play somewhere next season. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. But I'm like, man, I don't, I think just my intuition is kind of telling me like, Hey bro, you're, it's okay to be done. You know, like I said, I had another concussion and I was kind of thinking about that and, 
you know, my family have, have watched me play. They've seen like the highs and the lows. And, you know, I mean, I got carted off against McMaster with Ottawa. I got hurt playing against the Huskies with the Rams. So I've had my fair share of head injuries and stuff. And, you know, my mom kind of told me when I kind of told her, I'm like, hey, I think I'm done. She's like, honestly, you know, I don't really. She basically said, I don't, I get super nervous watching you play now. I don't really enjoy it. Watching you play it. And that was, to me, that was kind of tough. I was like, oh, man, yeah. It was like, if I kept playing, it would be for selfish reasons and like egoic reasons of like still going around Mooshaw telling people, oh, yeah, I'm playing in this country and I'm playing here. Right. And if, and I know guys have done that, like you said, and I think you're playing for the wrong reasons and eventually that's going to catch up to you. So for me now, it's kind of like, you know, do I like, I, people ask me to come coach now and I'm like, you know, do I love football as much as I thought I do? Cause just cause you're a good player doesn't mean you're going to be a coach. I, you've seen that. I've been around some guys that were good players, but coaching wise, they just, they couldn't do it or they didn't, or they get out there and it's like, Holy shit. Well, I got to put them like a, a 10 hour day after I just got off work coach. It's like, I don't want to do that. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Uh, you know, you've been a big inspiration for me seeing you do your thing. Like I'm like, man, watching you do your thing. I was like, that seems really, really interesting getting to talk to people, um, whether it's sports about life. So I'm just kind of going down those avenues, but, but again, it's kind of dealing with like, like you said, it's, it'd be easier if I just wanted to be like a concrete worker, which I've done, or like, if I just wanted to be a driller, cause there's all those jobs, but trying to find like a job in like media or like, do I want to like be like a, a football historian, which I know to people sounds like, they're like, they're like, what are you talking about? But like, man, I love football. I love history. Like we've done this before. Like you can name, give me a quarterback. I'll tell you what I went to college. Right. So that stuff that just comes like naturally to me. So I'm like, why wouldn't I go use that? So for me, that's kind of the, the tricky part about now. How do I go about doing that? And that's kind of why how I'm, I was being an asshole to my, to everyone around me. Cause I was like, oh my, I'm like, I'm looking for jobs. I'm like, I don't want to hold a shovel <laughs> you know, for the rest of my life. Um, but I kind of got out of that negative mindset and just being like, look, it's going to be all right. Something cool will come along. That's been like the story of my life. You know, sometimes the harder you try for something, the more you hold on to it. Uh, you just kind of choke it into submission instead of like allowing it to come to you. So that's kind of why, not to sound too much of a hippie, but uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm sure you've kind of found the same thing. Um, just kind of following your passions pretty much. I know that sounds cheesy, but now that I'm 26, I'm like, shit, they were right about that. You know, I got to try and follow my passion, see where, see where it takes me. And like guys like you watching do your thing has been pretty big inspiration. I don't think you, maybe some people don't tell you that, but you know, you might post a clip. You're like, oh man, I wish I get some more views. But all it takes is like one person like me to see, be like, shit, man, like that's pretty sweet. He's doing his thing. And that's why I take inspiration from him. Cause, and again, no, I know a lot of my friends, a lot of my family, you know, um, go get a job, get a good, you know, pension, start a family. And that's cool too. Maybe I want to do that, but right now I'm like, I don't think I do. So I got to try and find something that I'm actually passionate about. And that's, that's tough. I think that's kind of what your whole show is kind of around kind of, right. It's just kind of like in your mid twenties, it's tricky. You know, I feel a little bit more lost now than I did even when I was like 16, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but that's honestly where I'm at. So. Yeah, man, the, well, I appreciate, I appreciate the kind of words. It definitely means a lot knowing that you're right. A lot of, a lot of doing this is tough sledding when, whether there's a few people that listen or a hundred or whatever. That's why the first time we did it, I was like, man, I'm so ecstatic that people actually wanted to listen. What's very hard to say because most of the time, like it's people only, again, this is the classic cliche. People only see the tip of the iceberg, right? But they don't see everything else that goes underneath and how deep it really goes. And I think 
what a lot of people are realizing in our generation is they're waking up from the traditional norms of go to work, get a job, nine to five, get married, blah, 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 have kids, sacrifice what you want. And then eventually what's going to happen is you're going to have grandkids and that's going to be the consolation prize in life. And then you got 15 years to live if that, and then boom, that's it, the end. Mm -hmm. And and whenever, whenever I've thought about, I remember it really hit me. I was sitting on my bed and it was about two months into being in Saskatchewan. And I was like, everything I have right now, I wanted. Want a job in sports media? Check. I wanted a two-bedroom apartment I could afford it by myself. Check. Mm-hmm. Car? Check. I have whatever food I, I want to get. Clothing? There's no issues? Check. And I kind of sat there. I was like, damn. This is kind of boring. Like, yeah. I, I don't I don't know if I feel entirely fulfilled by this. And like we said, like it was really that 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 week of the Grey Cup. Because before, I was like, okay, like eventually it'll just hit you. Like, out of nowhere, this magic... Magic fairy dust is going to fall from the sky and you're going to be like, wow, I love my job. I'm so fulfilled, blah, blah, blah. But I was just still kind of chugging along. And then the week of the Great Cup came. I was like, sweet, this is awesome. Let's go. And we're out and interviewing people and doing this stuff. And then we're turning to work on Monday. My friends are home. I didn't get to spend time with them. And then I realized, man, I feel like I'm locked in like solitary confinement. Like I'm just sitting here watching someone talk for hours and hours a day. And even though I liked everyone I worked with and the show was very successful, I'm like, there's no... There's no room to grow. Like there's nowhere for this thing to go because either radio is going to get axed or it's going to be the only show left. And then when you're the only one left, it's like, well, do you really feel like you're being forced to regress? Not really. And so then I really started to ask these questions. And my boss had a conversation with me the week after the great cop was like, do you regret taking this job? And I was like, what? I was like, are you like twisting my arm to like get me to quit? Are you insinuating you want to fire me? And I was like, it was it was so scary in that moment. Like, cause you sit there and I was having like a quarter life crisis and people like, Oh no, it's just normal. When you first start your job, I'm like, is this, is this mm-hmm. really a normal feeling when people like doubt what they're doing seriously and actually say, try to do something about it. And I think that's the, the most difficult thing that you're probably going to deal with is when you actually have to do something for yourself that 99% of people are going to be like, sorry, you're being stupid. What the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah. And we don't support you, you know? Yeah. And I think, yeah, until you kind of jump into the deep end like that, I won't know what that's like until I, until I do it. But then the France thing came along, I'm like, oh, this is what I want to do. And same thing I kind of with you. I kind of got out there and I was like, well, this is a lot different than I thought it was going to be, but that's okay. So I kept grinding. I knew I was going to finish it off and put my best foot forward. But I think uh, you can relate to it too. It's like that striving for like more but then being content with what you have has kind of been the toughest thing, you know, for me. Cause again, like, I don't want to sound like some asshole that's like, uh, whoever works a nine to five is an idiot, or whatever. Cause some people honestly enjoy that. And some people, that's what they have to do. Right. Or some people don't want to do more than that, or they're maybe a little bit afraid to ask for more than that. And that's, that's up to them. Right. That's their own thing. Um, but for me, I'm kind of feel like you, I just kind of know that I want to like I'm young right now to take a chance and, on something whether that's football or not football that's kind of where i'm at now and that's like scary i think that's what you kind of went through it's like once you're out of it you're like man shit i'm you know it's easy to say you want to go do something for yourself but when you actually have to go do it that's a that's a that's a scary thing so kudos to you for doing it uh i gotta figure out what my kind of next thing is but uh i'm trying not to stress about it instead of like being positive and 
keep my eyes open for something because something will come along. So it's yeah. definitely a scary, scary thing for sure. Like you said, man, 26, like these years have been kind of a little bit crazy. <laughs> it's, been, it's been pretty wild. Yeah. Even looking in hindsight, sometimes you're like, wow, like if you don't, you know, and if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you know, you could yeah, miss life, right? Bueller. Like Ferris Bueller, exactly. And it's, and, and it really didn't hit me until I was like on Instagram earlier this year. And one of my guys like, oh, for my 27th birthday, I was like, oh yeah, he's a year older than me. And then I realized I'm like, wait, we're born in the same year. I'm turning 27 this year. I'm 27, <laughs> like three years from 30. And then when, when you have that realization, you're like, oh my God, like what's going on? What am I doing? Blah, blah, blah. And, and it's, it's one of the most difficult things I think that not a lot of people talk about openly is people say, Oh, you're going to whatever your twenties is hard. And by your time, 30 hits, you're going to figure it out. And I'm like, man, I meet a lot of people who are still feel this way in their thirties and forties. They're just, they've just shifted their attention to their kids or to something else. And then guess what happens when their kids grow up and move out? Then they're stuck with the same problem, but you're 45 mm-hmm. or 50 or 55. And by that time, it's not that it's doomsday, but it, it can be a lot more difficult to do certain things that you want to do in life when you're 55 or 60 compared to when you're 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I same too. Man. I, I came back from France and I'm like, people I went to high school, they're having their second kid, they're buying these big homes, and I don't play the comparison game ever, but it's hard not to. Right when you see this, I'm like, I'm like, shit, I'm the same thing. I'm like, man, I'm 26 years old. Like, this is like, it's wild. And then it's like, the expectations of where you're supposed to be as opposed to where you're at and you're kind of fighting that. And it's a little bit, it's a crazy time um, for sure. Uh, but again, that kind of comparison is, is the thief of joy quote is like very, very true. So I try not to, to get into that, but yeah, like I said, that's kind of the thing that scares me a little bit, not to think too much future, but it is to wake up when I'm 45 and be like, man, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not where I want to be and you don't have anyone to blame but yourself. Right. And so that's kind of like the juxtaposed of putting all that pressure on yourself or like, but then it's like, man, like the, like you said, the clock's ticking. Like when I look back 10 years ago, when I was 16, it doesn't feel that long ago, but it's like, man, shit. Like that was, that was 2013. That's wild. Now I'm, I'm not fucking 26. Right. And I'm kind of making a joke with my friends. A lot of them like teachers are getting married and I'm like, fuck, I just got back from playing football in in France basically I have zero money, no job right now. Well, I do have a job right now, but trying to find a, a different job. So again, it's just kind of the way I deal with things, mostly through humor and just being honest with myself. I don't know if you've gone through that. Susie, you have to these past years, man, I've just been like, I kind of cut the bullshit with myself and just been like, yo, this is where I'm at. I'm open with people about it. If they want like this, I think it's a great conversation we're having as well. Like the future. Cause a lot of people are scared to really talk about like, what do they want to do? Cause they're scared of being judged. Uh, by other people or by themselves because right? I deal with that too a lot of doubt um I, I dealt with a lot of doubt in my football career doubting my you know my abilities a lot and then when football was done I was like well that'll just fade because that's just that's just a sports thing but it was like no that's that's a life thing it's like no sorry in my head that's kind of my constant like, you can't fucking do that. be a football historian what are you something like be realistic you know go get a job with sass power go get a job with sass energy like do what your grandpa did you know, so kind of battling that, that doubt, um, because, you know, I have a great support system, my family and friends, but at the end of the day, you really got to support yourself. So that's kind of been my biggest, uh, struggle. And that's kind of a daily grind as it is for most people, but I think it's good because I just like being open and honest about it. Cause I think that's helps people. And I think that's what you're doing on your show 
there's a lot of people just bury it and they're you know they want to look good on instagram and look like they got all the shit together i know a lot of people that look like they have their shit together but they you know, they definitely do not right so i think it's good for people to kind of get it out there i think it's that's what uh watching clips from your show and watching your show and i think it's been the biggest thing is like you said i think you see i post a lot of like stupid funny shit on my instagram or whatever and people are like oh man this life just must be like he's you know not serious all the time or he's just having a great time all the time and that's not the case i mean i try to have a good time when i can as much as i can but uh you know it's been a bit of a battle last couple of years of like trying to figure out uh where i'm at i think that's why your show is important because i think a lot of us are in the exact same uh position and it's okay not to know and I uh, just kind of have faith in yourself and faith in the future, I guess. There's a book that I read that actually kind of inspired me to finally to to take the final shot of pivoting from my job. And I came across it on Twitter, actually, funny enough. I saw this guy tweet about how our relationship to work has changed and how people value you based on your form of employment, not based on what you do, like I, who you are as a human. And I remember it's like, oh, like I saw in his, his bio, it's like, I have this book called The Pathless Path. And it's like the story of how I, you know, our changing relationship with work and how you don't necessarily have to do the traditional things anymore. And he talked about how he did the good thing go in America, get a good job, go to good university, get paid a lot of money. And they got to a point where you're burnt out, you're sick, your, your health is tanking, all these sorts of things. And until you're really forced to wake up because of, and often some people it's till it's too late, like a huge tragedy or something that makes you go like, what am I doing? But some people actually never get that. They never get that wake up call. And the mm -hmm. wake up call that comes to them is on their deathbed. And they're like, oh, wow, my biggest regret, you know, like on my deathbed, my biggest regret is not having, you know, cared too much about what other people think. And he talks about it in this book about how he, he went to like, he had enough money saved up which obviously helps, but like went to Taiwan and spent like a month there. And it was like very inexpensive and just reflecting and thinking and, and not really judging yourself for what comes up or not judging yourself for what you're doing or when people ask what you're doing. And it really inspired me to think about what my relationship to work is, or am I doing work that I find that is meaningful? Am I fulfilled? Am I impacting people? I know people talk about the concept of Ikigai, like the Japanese philosophy of doing something that you get paid for, you're good at, uh, you enjoy and the world needs kind of thing. And one of the, one of the analogies he gave that I thought was so perfect for people like us who love sports, he gave the analogy of how people approach life that is achievement oriented, like Kevin Durant approached playing in the NBA where he was so unsatisfied with being on golden state or sorry, being unsatisfied being on Oklahoma. And he's like, I didn't, I didn't win. I didn't win. I didn't win. And then he goes to golden state and guess what? He wins two in a row and people mm -hmm. don't respect him. And he cares so much about what other people thinks. And he sits there and realizes, wait, that's it. I don't feel satisfied. I don't feel like I've achieved that much, even though we just won the finals back to back a part of a dynasty. And then he switched to another team and another team. And it's just like, he's constantly running around in this ring lost, not knowing where he should go next, what he should do. And the guy makes what 30, 40, 50 million a year yeah. NBA championship rings. Like you'd look at someone like yeah. that from the outside and be like, what's wrong with you? Like, mm -hmm. what are you so upset about? But guess what? Money doesn't fix that. Right. So I know that obviously you need money to survive and, and it can be a struggle when you don't, it doesn't give you options if you don't have money. 
but it also won't solve what you're going through internally. hundred percent. Yeah. I kind of went through that. I mean, I wasn't making Kevin Durant money at all, but with my job, I got right after my drilling job. Um, I was making good money, but I was working crazy hours, but like, you know, every two weeks the paycheck would come in. And I remember the first time I came in, I was like, Oh, sweet. I can like, I'm going to go on Amazon and like buy some shit <laughs> tonight. I'm, I'm going to go on DHK and buy a bunch of like 12 knockoff jerseys, which I, I'm not doing that anymore, but I used to. Um, but then after a while, yeah, like I remember I, my dad asked me, oh, how much money did you make in these two weeks? I told him, he's like, Whoa, he's like, that's a lot of money. Like, that must be awesome. I'm like, well, I'm, I don't know. I was like, I, I, not really. I didn't tell him that. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of cool, I guess. And like you said, you need money to, to survive. But like when you're not, when the paycheck hits, but the fulfillment's not there, then it's kind of like, uh, it's like, then you start judging yourself even more. I'm being like, man, I even feel more lost now. Um, so like you said, like money's not going to solve all your problems. Um, but I'm not naive to be like, oh, I'm, I can't, you know, I guess I could try to live on the street or like make it very far, but it's a nice bridge and moose shack you live under. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of a tricky thing, right? Of like, I always thought, I was like, well, I'll keep making this money and then, I don't know, maybe I'll get a promotion or maybe I'll you know, have enough money to go move somewhere or do that. But I was like, man, I don't, I don't want to do that, you know? Um, so that's why I'm happy or proud of myself. I took that chance and I went to France and it was challenging, but in the money in France, like I should get into that too. Cause I think a lot of people, <laughs> people are like, so what are you making over Like 50 K a season? I'm like, not even close, man. They pay for your flights. They pay um, for your living at a nice apartment, um, which I could see the Mediterranean Sea from my apartment, which was really nice. But other than that, you get 500 euros a month in an envelope in cash. Uh, and then that's it. And, you know, 500 euros for a month in can doesn't last very long. And I'm, I'll be the first. I'm not very good with money. I spend it way too fast. And then for the, so we'd ask the boys I'd be like, a week later, I'd be like, man, are you guys like, do you have any money left out? They're like, no, we spent it all too. So it was just like, you know, and I kind of knew that going in. I wasn't going over to France at all to play. If you're going to Europe to play uh, football for the money, unless you're playing maybe in the ELF or the GFL, I'm, I'm not sure how much they get paid. But if you're playing, you know, you're not going to be making a crazy good living. That's not why I went there. But but again, it was at the contrast between like making a lot of money in my old job and not being fulfilled as opposed to, you know, not making such great money in France. But again, I'm there for different reasons. And I was kind of, you know, building up myself in a different way. Not, well, not what would you say was the most positive eye-opening experience of being in France in terms of something that you had never expected before you got there? And then you saw it and you're like, wow, I'm so glad I saw this because now I can't unsee it. Really good question. Um, there were certain guys in her team uh, a lot of them, so only f- six guys on our team got paid. So the rest, when I say we had not that many guys in practice, well, the rest are adults, right? So they have jobs. A lot of them have kids, so they're going to come when they can. We had one receiver, his name was Matsu Abshaw. He had three kids, and he was there every day. It's not like he was getting, you know, 10 targets a game, but he showed up every day. He was an amazing teammate. Um, and uh, I should have told him this, too. I should have Google translated, but just him showing up every day. Uh, when I know he had kids at home, he just worked a long ass job and he's coming to practice every week. And, you know, some, like I said, some days it was just like six months I got paid because obviously we have to be there because we're getting paid. And there might be like eight other guys. He was consistently always there, always working hard. 
was never negative, always like a positive dude. And like I said, he was a good player, but he wasn't getting like, you know, Calvin Johnson, 12 targets a game. So just little things like that. That's something um, that kind of really like brought me back to my love of the game. Like when I had in high school, just showing up with the boys and playing because junior had that too. But as you know, as you move up, it, it changes. Certain guys are there to get their scholarship money. Certain guys are there to get girls. A lot of guys are there to just get the track suits. They can wear it around campus so they can go back home and tell people they play on the team. And then certain guys really do love every aspect of the game. But seeing that from a guy who's like, I think he's like 34, with kids at home showing up every day was really inspiring, uh, inspiring to me. Kind of got back to the roots of like why I played the game in the first place. I just think something like I kind of lost. Not that I was, I was in the game for the wrong reasons, but I've just kind of been around, like I said, a lot of guys, you kind of get in the grind of college football where it's like workouts, meetings, and you're just like, you lose track of like, do I really even enjoy playing in the first place? So getting back to that was something I saw from one guy at practice was really huge. So, Yeah, man, that's a, that's a great question. And I heard a lot of guys in my football career say, oh, the second I'm done having fun with it, then I'm not going to play anymore. And it's like, yeah, BS. There's a lot of guys who put up with more than they – and they should have. And there's also a lot of guys I saw who quickly had the, the their souls sucked out of them or the soul that loved football sucked out of them because of a coach or a, a, a player or whatever or a bad experience. And it's just, it's, and I'm not trying to put a negative damper, but it, it's the untold side of playing university football, right? Or high level football. As people think it's this big glamorous thing. And I remember at UFC people like in residence were like, man, you guys won congrats and this and that. And us, I was like, I didn't play. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. And guys were like, you're so selfish. And how dare you? It's like, what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. This means that I'm never going to live here again. Is that supposed yeah. to make me happy? What yeah. did I come here for? And mm-hmm. I, ironically, the best thing that came from living there was all my friends and all the people I made who had nothing to do with football in the first place. Yeah. So again, life uh, finds a way, but mm-hmm. it's yeah. Like the, the expectations versus reality, all the memes and people, the, the way that people don't really understand being self-aware. I think that's just a big thing. Like when I were at my radio station job, there was a, these guys in the creative department who are so good at writing ads. They're so smart. They're really funny. And I remember they were sharing memes from meme base at lunch guys who are middle-aged looking at meme base. I know. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember they sh- showed one of like, Oh, my, my childhood dreams versus reality. And they were like, Oh, that's so true. And it was like a unicorn in one picture. And the other was like a smokestack that was beaten up. That looked like a unicorn. Yeah. And I was like, man, that says so much. Like that is just, I know that they're joking and they're laughing, but like, I don't want to be like that. I really, really don't. And trying to do the work to find out what it is to not end up like that is, that's the million dollar question for a lot of people. And it takes a lot of time to figure that out. Yeah. It takes a lot of introspection. I kind of went through the same thing. I forget I think it was a family friend. He kind of came over and we were kind of talking about like the transition of like trying to find a career you like. I remember he was like joking when he made the quote, like he's like, ah, sir, we all hate our jobs in our lives. We just, you just deal with it as you get older, you get used to it. And he was like kidding. But man, I was like, I was like, holy, like that was a depressing quote to hear. I was like, man, and that scared the shit out of me. It really, really did. And I remember hearing that being like, oh damn. I was like, 
And so when I got this drilling job, I remember I was thinking to myself one day I was at work, I was covered in mud. I was wearing, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because I was, you know, I was, I was grateful to have a job, right? A lot of people just to have, be able to, to work, make a living for yourself is very important. So I don't, I never want to sound like I'm being negative or like being or complaining, but I remember I was covered in mud one day and I was, I looked at myself, I'm like, man, my life, and I was actually working on the outskirts of Moose on a pipeline. I was like, man, my life is becoming a country music song. I'm like a, I'm like a local high school football star who's working a blue collar job. And I was like, I almost laughed, but I was like, I almost cried at the same time. I was like, man, I was like, but that's when I made a decision. I was like, well, I can't do this anymore. So that's why um, I was uh, proud of myself to make that transition. But I, like you said, it takes a lot of introspection and a lot of like admitting to yourself, maybe you're not where you want to be. Um, but also having uh, the wherewithal to do something about it. Cause like you said, I'm sure that like the guys in the department and the guy that said that quote that I would, uh, about hating your life and just dealing with it, they recognize it, they see it, but they're like, well, whatever, I'll just keep, I'll just keep doing this. Maybe, you know, it'll, it'll pay off when I'm retired or maybe something good. Um, and I just like, I don't, I don't know. I can't live life. Like that, so. What do you feel most passionate about? Like just in general, like, cause I know you love football and you can name like, quarterback stats and players and colleges, but like, I don't know, like, have you ever sat down and asked yourself, like, what do you really, really enjoy? And like, just done a brain dump of it. Honestly, man, I love, I feel like I'm my best when I'm in a creative mode, like, and it's something stupid, like whether I tweet something I think is funny or whether it's like, I make an Instagram story um, that just hits me like a movie quote, whatever. And I kind of type out. That's when I feel like I'm at my, not my best, but I feel like that's when I'm like, not thinking. I'm just kind of like, it sounds weird, but just, I'm sure you can attest to it. You're just kind of doing, and you're just like, I feel good. Like that's where I feel like I'm at my best. And so like, I just like creating stuff, funny stuff like that. Or, you know, I love movies uh, and books and just like, just ideas and stuff, stuff like that. So that's, again, that's maybe I wish it was something, I don't wish, but like, it'd be a lot easier for me if it was something easier, like, Oh man, I want to be a teacher. Like my parents, so I can go get, you know, I can go teach right now, but it's just like, not that someone's like calling me, but I feel like I really do want to try and I know I can be, use my mind to be creative and, you know, create something for myself. Um, now I'm starting to get long winded again. That was a really good question. To ask me. But it's just about kind of using my gifts, which I think is my sense of humor and my ability to create. And like I said, that's when I feel I'm at my best. I'm sure you have times where you feel, like doing this, you're like, you don't even know what time it is. You're not checking the time. You're just, no. you're just doing this. Enjoy it. Right. Yeah. And so then you found that passion. So for me, that's something I'm trying to find right now. But that was a good question. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, I, oftentimes we don't ask ourselves enough, the simple things like, what do you actually enjoy? What do you really, what like sets your soul on fire or something that just makes the time irrelevant. And, and I, I've, I've, I've asked that question to people before. And sometimes they're like, Oh, well, I like this, but I'd have to create a small business or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay. Or if you, if you've never spent time trying to figure out what you like, then maybe you should prioritize that first because yeah, you need to survive. But if you don't know what you're, what you like doing, how are you ever supposed to know if you don't ask yourself that question or talk about traveling? Like if you've never been anywhere else, how are you supposed to know what the rest of the world is like or 
if the life that you're living right now is even congruent with how you want to live based on who you are. Like, I'm sure, like you said, you know, when your mom and dad pulled up to France and taking a picture of every single like bakery and every single place, it's oh, like yeah. someone from Moose Jaws, like, a, like, uh, like can might as well be like a, another planet, you know, like, yeah, for sure. But for people there, it's like, well, whatever. We hate these tourists while they're hacking darts and, and the city of Paris is dirty and littered with garbage all over the streets up to the Eiffel Tower. But it's like, it's so true, man. I met guys in, I met people in Brazil, Portugal. Like, I remember I met up a guy in Portugal, actually, who worked at a golf course. And I was asking him about, like, living there. And he was like, why would you ever want to live here? I was like, dude, what do you mean? You live in a lush, green, beautiful paradise on an island in the middle of the ocean, far away from everybody. No one bothers you. The weather is never too bad. It's never too hot. It's fairly inexpensive. You can basically raise a homestead there if you want. You can farm all year. You can just be by yourself and just live in peace and tranquility with nature. But again, they don't see that because that's what they're accustomed to. So it's like trying to trying to get a second set of eyes or changing your perspective is important. Cause yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of things before you went to France. Like, ah, whatever the way, you know, ordering pizza and drinking fresco on a Friday night is a scene. And then you go to Cannes, you're like, Oh damn, the most famous movie stars in the world who are all from all these movies I can quote are literally walking down the red carpet as I'm standing, peering over the fence. Yeah. No, he said it's, it is crazy. And I did. That's one thing about travel. You learn so much about yourself. I know it's like a cheesy, they're like, um, cliche thing, but you actually, you actually do. Like you said, like the Cannes Film Festival is on. I live five minutes away from red carpet. I'm walking down there one night. Everyone's wearing tuxedos and dresses and I'm down there in jorts and my Crocs and I hear the Indiana Jones theme music. I'm like, Oh, no way. And I turn and Harrison Ford's coming out of the theater, walking down the red carpet. And it was just like a moment. I'm like, wow, this is like crazy. I know I'm here to play football, but at the same time, like when am I ever going to get to see this? Like, Sydney Sweeney, Lou DiCaprio were like, I didn't get to see them because it was packed to them. But I mean, I saw Gigi Hadid. I saw The Weeknd, you know, and not that it's a big thing if they're celebrities or people. Um, but it's just, just the atmosphere. You know, I was watching, they had a theater set up. I was watching Thelma Louise on the beach. And that was another moment. I think when you asked me, like, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like, this is like, I'm, it's just another external kind of experience. That's one thing as I get older, I'm like, man, I want to gather as many cool experiences as I can. And so whether they're negative, positive, whatever, in the end, they all come around to the same thing. They kind of teach you a lot about yourself. And so I gathered so many of those uh, in France. And to your point about like perspective, you know, I learned like, I was like, oh man, I was like, I'll play in France and I'll keep playing a different country every for like five years and they'll be sweet. But I'm like, honestly, man, I'm like, six months is a long time. I'm like, I'm kind of a homebody. I miss my parents, miss my family, miss my friends. And I like Moosh. I mean, no one loves Moosh or an idea. That's what's a while known fact. Um, but, uh, you know, I've seen the Mediterranean. I've seen the beach. I've seen the Eiffel Tower. I've seen the Bay in Monaco. Uh, I've seen the French Alps. But to me, the most beautiful view in you know, for me is the view out of my backyard here in uh, the valley in Moosh And I tell people that, like, you're, you're full of shit. But honestly, I'm being honest. That's my perspective. I, you know, not that I want to live in Musha my whole life, but for me, that's like, you know, moving away made me appreciate the things I had back home uh, even more. While at the same time, I'm like, it would be cool to kind of go see a little bit more of the world. Maybe not for six months at a time, for a little bit less. Um, so again, it just kind of teaches you 
a lot about yourself and I'm super glad, you know, I did it. Cause that's in your life too. I mean, it's all about taking chances. Right. And like, sometimes I might seem crazy. Like I'm sure when you told people, you're like, I'm, I'm leaving my job at the radio and they're like, well, what are you going to do? And you're like, well, I have this idea. Um, but again, they, they can't see it. Right. It's not tangible. So they're like, I'm sure people, even some of your friends are probably like, oh, cool, man. But then they're like, they go by, by themselves like, oh, fucking, what is he doing? You know? And I, I had that when I was going up to France. People are like, what? How many times I get it? Like, you mean soccer? I'm like, when have I ever played soccer? <laughs> no, I don't play soccer. I'm like, like you should take that as a compliment. They believe in your athletic ability so much. You can play I mean, a I guess. sport in a country that's one of the best in the world at it exactly. without ever having played. So it's just comments like that would piss me off at the beginning. But then I'd be like, I just can't learn another thing too. It's just let me let it slide. Right. Cause a lot of people, it has so little to do with yourself, what people's opinions of what you're doing is mostly it's everything to do with them. So I got that a lot. I got the, well, they play football in France. I'm like, yeah, they do. I just like, I'm going over there. I'm not just going over there. Like, well, maybe we'll play like, no, they have a league. It's not going to be, I was, I never told anybody, you know, oh, this is like the, probably the second best league just under the NFL. Like, no, I, I knew it was going to be a, a, a level a little bit uh, less of a level than what I'm used to, but I was very open about like why I was going there. I wanted to play football and, uh, and live a, and live abroad and experience new things. But again, for a lot of people, even a lot of people I thought were open-minded, it turns out maybe they weren't as open-minded as I thought they were going to be. I'm sure you've, you've seen that too. A lot of people are like, man, I thought you'd be a little bit more, you know, I don't need you to be happy for me, but at the same time, it's like, Oh damn, that's kind of a little bit disappointing. So but you just kind of let that stuff go, but it's, it's interesting. I'm sure you, I'm sure you saw that too. when you kind of made that change. Uh, cause again, I think a lot of people see that they're like, ah, oh, man, I wish I could kind of make a change. And a lot of people could, but they just don't want to. And again, a lot of people have kids or, or a house or home mortgage. And it's, it's harder for them for sure. Yeah. than It is for me or you, but I think, uh, just about taking the chance, uh, and going for it, despite what people think. You have to ask yourself Including those questions. Yourself. Yeah. Like you have to ask yourself those questions before you have a mortgage and kids. And when you Mm -hmm. monitor the interest rate, like your heartbeat, you know, like, because that's the, the the first, I, 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 I said to the, the, the guest I had in the first episode of this podcast, I said to him as a, being serious and as a joke, we could literally him and I just host a show entirely about all the things we talk about because of how much depth there is to being a minimalist or traveling and, and just this, these, this concept in life that he was talking about, I think is so bang on when you're at a point where you are generally in control of what you do. The negative aspects of your life are not negatives. They are simply the cost of living that life. So if you, let's say you live in Moose Jaw, and you do the classic thing, like you have two kids by the time you're your age and you're married and you already, whatever, had your do-it-yourself wedding with all the mason jars at the local hall and all these things. And then whatever, like that stereotypical life. There's benefits to it and there's negatives to it. But the negatives are simply the cost of like, maybe you can't travel around to France or you can't afford to, or you barely make enough money just to survive living in a house in Moose Jaw. But you have the comfort and the stability of owning a home, of having equity, of having a family, of having people that support you, your friends, consistency. But on the flip side, let's say you go as a swashbuckler to France and you're traveling and you see Indiana Jones and you're breaking into parties for celebrities. 
The downside of that is that you can't look outside your backyard every day and you can't see your mom and dad every day. And you can't go just hang out with your high school friends at the local bar or Boston pizza or whatever is the most popular establishment there, right? This is a trade-off. So it's not that one is better than the other. It's just what are you, what costs are you willing to pay for the Mm -hmm. life that you say you want to live? Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Wow. Man, man, I haven't thought about like that. That that is so true. And I think that's kind of gets back to like the competing of like, I want to go do this thing. But then, or I want this, but when you get it, you're not content with it. So that's kind of the battle for me to like be grateful for what I have, but then also kind of moving towards where I want to be. Um, and I think that's just kind of the, basically that's the, we're talking about, that's the battle. Uh, and that's the tough thing that I, every day, it's kind of a thing for me. But instead of like fighting it, I'm kind of embracing it and being like, man, I'm grateful that I even have that choice. Because a lot of people around the world, they don't have that choice, right? They wake up and their days are day. They're, they're, that's that's what it is they don't have a choice right i think that that's the biggest thing and for me the older i get the more i want to be surrounded by people that are a little more open-minded not set like it's this way it's got to mm-hmm. be like this this is how dad did it this is how mom does it this is how i do it and they've never stopped to ask well is this how i want to do it you know uh and even if it was good you know maybe your dad was a doctor do you have to be a doctor whatever you know, maybe shit, I'm not going to be a doctor, <laughs> but uh, definitely, you know, I, I took me six and a half years to get an arts degree in history. So God knows how long it would take to become a, you know, a doctor. But, uh, you know, that's the thing. I think it's just being grateful for where you are and kind of moving towards where you want to be uh, and just have an open mind because then you can see there's different paths to take. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. So like I said, man, a few weeks ago, I was being an asshole. I was like, because I was like, shit, man, I don't want to work with stuff you know um but now it's kind of like no there's a lot of open opportunities out there i just gotta keep my eyes open uh and then and then go for it which is what i've always done something cool will come along because that's kind of been my life i've been blessed in a lot of areas like that you know so god i didn't think i mean a year ago i was working my drilling job now i'm here these this past year's been crazy i'm sure you can look back and you know be like whoa so much has changed in a year so i really i can't wait to see where I'm at next year. Who knows? Maybe I'll be sitting here with you talk chopping about maybe we'll be hitting it big or not. Who knows? Either way will be good though. I know that. <laughs> there's a, a quote. I, there's a, a quote, a, um, a comment I saw on a YouTube video that I sent to my friend who I recorded with the first podcast episode with. And this is what the comment reads. No matter what path you choose, there are prices to be paid. No one embraces the Zen slash Tao slash hippie slash creative path as completely as surfers who literally ride waves. The first lesson is this. Money is not wealth. The second lesson, experiences are more valuable than possessions or things. And the third lesson, by the time you arrive at your goal, it's never what you imagined or expected. Yeah, that's kind of mind-blowing. That that pretty much encapsulates, yeah, my life until this point. That's crazy. And some random person wrote that on YouTube? That was on an Ali Abdal video on YouTube. Oh, okay. And so he's like a productivity YouTuber who yeah. talks like, I watched one of his videos too when I was considering quitting my job. He talked about going from being a doctor in the UK to being like a productivity YouTuber. Like this, that's why when, when, when I when I think of you and what you're good at, it's like what would probably put you in the greatest state of flow is not a job that even exists. It's something that you would probably have to create. And I think that's mm-hmm. the difficult thing for most people is like when you create, you're not taking away from other people, but the very difficult thing with creating is that it takes time. It takes doing it. It takes gathering the data points, 
of what works, what doesn't, what, what resonates with people, what doesn't, et cetera. And continuing to iterate that and use the power of compound interest and doing that consistently in order to figure out what that is. And when I read that quote, it made me realize, yeah, like you have to find a balance between appreciating where you've come from and having something you're striving towards. Because if you're too stuck one way, then you're never going to be satisfied. And if you're too sm- too much smelling the roses in the, in hindsight, then you're never going to be able to move on, right? Like mm-hmm. it's either your Al Bundy, you know, who's uh, talking about the time he scored four touchdowns against his old nemesis spare, uh, Bud Spare Tired <laughs> Dixon, or you're just constantly, you're just, you're crawling in the desert. You're going for the, yeah. the oasis that, that's there, but it's just a mirage, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I think when you taking action and doing something that is, that uh, makes you forget about the time and that aligns with what you're good at, I think it's not, not, not to, to ramble, but it's like, I, I hear, hear people, I hear people all the time say, follow your passions. And I used to think that was really good advice, but I have to slightly disagree in saying that you sometimes you have to do what you're good at and then you can become passionate about it. But there has to be a level. I think what you should do is follow the things that give you energy, not passion, because passion can be acquired if you're good at something. But energy is different. If you go to a job and you're good at it, but you have no energy and you hate it, then it's no good. But if you're, if you became a host of a bar stool show or something, for example, that already existed, and you're like, man, I'm I'm so fired up. Like, like when I was working with Jamie and he's super fired up, and he loves being there and he's excited. It's like that gives you energy, follow that. But if it doesn't give you energy, then you need to reassess, no matter whether you're good at it or passionate. Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. Cause like you said, I mean, for me, um I want to do something kind of in the media world or start my own thing or whatever. I mean, I love to have my own show and I, <laughs> I don't even know what it would be because it, it wouldn't be like some, like, I don't think I could do this today. It would be like, it'd be like pretty wild. I'd have to think about that. But like you said, it, when you first started something new, it might not be very, I'm sure when you started doing this, you look back in your first episodes, like in your first show, you're probably like, Oh my God, that's hard to watch. Right. But you, in the moment you didn't care, right. You weren't doing it for that. You're doing it because like, it gives you energy. Right. And like when I first started football, Honestly, I wasn't even very good until I was like 16, but I didn't know that because I was just, I didn't care. I, was, I didn't even think about that. I was just out there playing because I enjoyed it. And gave, like you said, it gave me energy. And so I'm kind of in the same spot now where, um, you know, I could get a job and make a lot of money. But like you said, maybe it, it doesn't give me anything, doesn't do anything for me. So I was trying to find that something that does give me energy. And maybe I'm not very good at all to begin with, but I probably won't give a shit because I'll keep doing it until I get good at it like you've done too. Right. And that's, to me, that's more fulfilling than anything. Right. Um, like in life, you can look back like, Holy shit. I was not very good. <laughs> you know, when I started, but I got pretty good and I'm going to keep going. So. Any, was- any, you know, anything that's worth being good at is worth being bad at at first. So mm-hmm. all those cliche quotes you see in classrooms at schools, like yeah. every expert was once a beginner, but it's like, <laughs> until you're actually there doing it, then that's when you realize it. And I think having that lived experience teaches you more than someone else telling you like, go do this or go do that. It's like, when you do your own thing, there's nobody to tell you what to do. Nobody. And it wasn't like, I I felt really fulfilled doing the podcast before, but then it started to get to a point where I felt like I was running in circles. And I I started to see 
the world of sports media, like it really became tainted for me because I was seeing interviews and I'm like, that's a stupid question. That's really dumb. This is pointless. Why are you saying this? Blah, blah, blah. It's a setup. This isn't meaningful. And not to say that I don't like work that's done in sports. Of course I do. People who have features and things that are in depth and they're real. I love that. But I found that what I was idolizing was touching a string within me that was from my childhood, you know, like being a kid and seeing people like sports angers on TV or people who called games like soccer games, like those things that just elicit that passion and make you feel like so, so elevated. But then as I got older, I realized I'm like, Oh, maybe that's not really what I want to do. Even if, yeah, I could be good at it. I could have just shut up, kept going and grinded and whatever. But then you get to a point where you realize it's, you can't go back and a change would cause major friction. It would identity crisis, all these things, or you just realize it's easier to just settle for comfort, take it on the chin and not do anything about it. And so when I've seen people who have been burned or who have realized after the fact they didn't like it, that's why I try to talk to them, as many of them as possible. Mm-hmm. And although at times it can seem like I'm ranting or I'm asking a billion questions, you can learn from other people's mistakes and successes. Right. It's a shortcut to having, sometimes it's a shortcut to having to experience that yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking, doesn't it, I was going to ask you, it doesn't piss me off. But like, I think about those cliches I looked at, like in my grade six classroom. And now that I'm like 26, I'm like, holy shit. Like those are all extremely true. Like they're up there for a reason. Like, I'm like, I'm like I look back and like, oh, this is so dumb when I was like 13. But now I'm like, oh, man, that guy knew what he's talking about. Like, whoever put this up there, like the cell phone picture, like live in the present or whatever. That kind of pisses me off sometimes, but, uh, but no, I, I know I feel the same way. Did you kind of get tired of like, you know, you're, t- you're like, you're talking to Matt Dunnigan, but you're asking him about like some touchdown pass you through and in your back of your head, you're like, I don't really, you know, care about this or whatever, you know, I want to go deeper. Uh, and that's what I find too. Like when I watch sports, that's why I love the E sixties or, um, the, the documentaries or when people ask me, like, I can't even watch like, <sighs> um undisputed or like first no, no no i can't i can't watch anymore and i used no. to watch it and i used to be in a bad mood be like oh, skip like how can you say that and it's like man who cares like this is all a show right so you gotta cut through the bullshit and kind of get to what's real so i feel like you kind of got there right uh and i'm there too if i want to do something because my dad's like he's like oh you'd be so good on like tsm i'm like i don't want to work no disrespect i don't want to work the sports desk not that I can maybe even get there one day or whatever, but like, um, like I said, I, so I want to go deeper too. Cause like the stuff that I'm interested in as I get old, it's not so much how many touchdown pass the guy threw for whatever. I want to know, like, man, like that's what my club after Thompson, that was my, like he's played like nine teams, but no, no, many people know that. Right. Cause they don't go deeper. They just want to know like how many touchdowns he threw for last year. Did he have a good game? But like, it, it's so much more the journey the person got to get where they're at, which is really cool about what you're doing now and even what you're doing before too. So you that I ask really questions, but I, I see the same things so when I see it. I'm like, man, I really don't care like what this guy was thinking on this play or whatever. Um, some people might, but for me, it's just like, you know, I don't, I can't take much uh, from that. So that's why I think it's cool what you're doing. And like, people might look at me like I'm not, I mean, I guess technically I played professional football, semi-professional football in for France or whatever. And I don't have it figured out at all. I think, People by now can see that, but I'm very open and honest and hopefully people can 
whoever watched this can take what they want from it. Uh, my biggest thing is just to know that what I've noticed is just the biggest thing is getting out of your own way. Um, cause at times I've been my own worst enemy. Um, as far as like self doubt, uh, self criticism, and what others think. Um, and I think that's been the biggest thing for me. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. And for me, even to admit this, like two years ago, we were on that show, if you had asked, I would have like not even brought it up. And even back then, I kind of felt like that too. Um, but I just look at us now, we're kind of grizzled vets. <laughs> We've been through it. We've been in the game now. I mean, we're only like 27, 26, uh, like oh, 36. I don't even want to know how much I've been through at that point, but I'm grateful for it all. And uh, that's been my biggest thing that people want to take away is just to know that, you know, none of us really have it all figured out. And we're just kind of going along with it, uh, trying to live the best we can. And for me, my constant thing is just trying to get out of my own way um, and, uh, you know, take one day at a time and live by those cliches that we saw on our, on our school, on our whiteboards at school. Back in grade six. It pisses me off sometimes because it's so true, man. Yeah, Sorry. man. One of the Sorry. one of the first quotes that comes to mind when you talk about self doubt is like Tim Grover is someone who love following him, like super inspiring, and and one of the things he talks about is like he's like you're supposed to have fear, you're supposed to be scared. It's an instinct, but you're not supposed to have doubt. Only you can put doubt in your in your head, and mm-hmm. only no one else can get inside you unless you let them. You know, and when I hear those things, it's like daily reminders and. And it's, it is important to, I think, to want to achieve more and to be ambitious and, and help people and impact people. And I think that was when I started to realize at the, at the radio station, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be honest with myself. I could keep doing this for 20 years if I wanted, and I could probably climb the ranks. I could move to Toronto. I could work on TSN or Sportsnet for who knows how long of a time. It's never certain. But then I asked myself, what impact am I really making? And that was the big question for me that I couldn't answer. And -hmm. it's the same question I asked myself when I was playing football and trying to like, you know, you're trying to make the CFL and all these things. And like, why am I playing? And I would always tell myself, well, just, just to prove you can do it. It's like, but that's not good enough. Cause then the time's going to be tough and it's not, you're going to fold like a house of cards. Mm -hmm. And then funny enough, when I started working out in January, I was like, okay, I don't want to be a fat lethargic slob. Like most people who end up working office jobs who don't take care of themselves and what happened was I realized, wow, people like they looked at me different and they were like, oh, like people throw the disrespectful comments and backhand stuff like, oh, you're just trying to get swole and you're just so full of yourself and you want to look like Rich Piana, you know, like, and well, maybe part of that is true in the beginning. What ends yeah. up happening is you realize, wow, the benefits of working out or exercising and doing something as simple as that changes your perspective on life and and when people started asking me like oh man like guys at the gym were like how much do you bench i was like dude like you're asking me (laughs) how much i bench are you shitting me yeah but it was in those moments like that you know that loose guy camaraderie where it's like you just by proximity you see someone in the same place you never talk to them all of a sudden you do talk to them it's like your best friends like Mm -hmm. that experience from working out changed my changed my life like forever because i was like wow now i realize how important this is to me and knowing I can help people and knowing that my love of learning other cultures or languages, knowing that that kind of all ties in together to like helping someone in a major pillar of their life. That is really awesome. And I want to continue to explore that because it gives me energy when I can help people with fitness or if I can help people to, to live a healthier life, because the three most important things that people want to improve in their life, money, health, 
relationships. That's it. If you can find a way to have energy that's very high in one of those three buckets, then you can create whatever the hell you want because people want more of any of those three things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then that's like, it's kudos to you. Amazing that you kind of got that realization. Or maybe, I think a lot of people get that realization that we talked about, but like don't want to do anything about it. You do something about that, that's that's big time. And um, for me, it's kind of, not so much for me in the gym. That could be anyone's aspect of life, right? It could be like, I don't know, following um, what gives you energy. Or for me, like when I, when I coach now, when I help quarterbacks, obviously I want to help them with their fundamentals and their skills. But I think what gets lost is like the mental part. And again, like why, especially when they get to high school, like why are you playing the game, right? Or, you know, are you playing, are you just playing the game every Saturday to like maybe just try and get a scholarship to go play? Um, Cause I'm telling you, I've been there. When you get those offers, ever it feels it does feel cool, but are you doing disservice to your teammates? Uh, a lot of your best friends you go to high school with, just be in the moment, just enjoy playing. Like I think that's the biggest thing I see a lot of young, not quarterbacks in sports is like everyone's just playing for these like future, you know, goals. And when I was young, I got to that point too, where it's like, am I even enjoying? I, mean, I just want to be out there because I enjoy playing with my friends, and that's the biggest thing I've been trying to get across to some of these young quarterbacks that I coach. Um, cause I go back to my, I help coach in high school here and, you know, again, I don't want to sound like uncle Rico or whatever, but I had a really successful high school career here. And so when I bring it out, a lot of coaches are always talking about, yeah, so sorry to do this. How I used to do it. And I'm like, I'm kind of like getting out of that because that doesn't help this young kid. Right. Cause he didn't see me play. I mean, I can try and help explain it to him, but for them, it's trying to find out like what's inside them and what's, what, what's their style. What makes them unique? What's their mentality? that they can, can bring to the game and bring that out of someone is like, that's the, that's, that's the biggest thing. And I think for you, you found that yourself and you're trying to help other people do that. And for me, that's the biggest thing. My, both my parents were teachers and coaches. I know they help a lot of kids do that. And so that's something I want to do uh, as well. And it's not really telling somebody what to do. It's kind of like showing them how to get it out of themselves. So that makes any, that makes sense. And it all starts just like introspection. So yeah, okay, man, that's, some deep points here, man. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, this is man, like a therapeutic I, session for myself. I needed this, man. Like I said, like a couple weeks ago, I was like, I brought a few times, but I felt so bad because I was like such an asshole for a week straight. I was like, because I was stuck in my own head, right? I'm sure you were in there too. You're like, you know, I have all this, I should have all this opportunity. For me, I was kind of bitter because I felt like I just, I'm, I'm officially done playing football. Like I'm, incredibly retired i have no desire to go in the backyard or go to, out to practice at all so that's how i know i'm done but for me it's like i always hear that oh you'll build these relationships you have all these opportunities and now that i'm done football i'm like okay well where you know where are they uh you know and again i gotta look, i gotta go look for them i'm not and again i don't want to sound like some ass so i'm not i don't want things handed to me but you know how it is when you grow up it's like you're gonna have this you're gonna have that maybe in the united states that's true but here i was a little bit I've kind of moved past it, but I was at the point where I was like, man, am I really just done football and all I have to show for it is like maybe some shovels on the wall and like some, some bumps and bruises and concussions. And for me, that was, that was tough. But I had to get out of that mindset of like, I wasn't playing football to maybe meet somebody and get a cool job. That would have been nice. Maybe that'll happen. But I kind of had to get out of that, that negative mindset. I think that comes back to like it being different. I'm going to start rambling again too, but when I talk to, 
when people talk about, well, they want to play college football, it is an amazing experience. Everyone's experience is different. Mine was like a roller coaster, but it's not at all what you think it's going to be. At least for me, it wasn't like I came out in 2015. And at that time, um, Twitter, Instagram, you had all that, but you didn't really know the inner workings of the teams and like meetings and like running early morning workouts. You kind of knew about them until you go through them. Like you really have no idea what, what the experience is. It's like, it's a grind, right? You only play eight games in a, in a year, right? And so it's not just like, for some people it is, but for a lot of people and a lot of guys I don't play with, it's not some glamorous thing. And that's why a lot of guys um, only last like one or two years. A lot of really good players, like a lot of guys you come in, you're like, oh man, this guy's going to be an all Canadian in in two years. And then um, the next training camp comes around, he's not on the team, right? So that's the thing. And so I think getting back to it, it's just like being present and are you actually enjoying what you're doing? Or are you just doing it to try and get some like external when man, I did all this and like, this is, this is what it is. But I had to get out of that mindset of like, I wasn't playing football. It's like, you know, anything I was, I was playing football. Cause like you said, I was gathering experiences to help me in, in the next step of my life. So. Yeah, man, that's, that's very well said. And a lot of, uh, I met a lot of guys who the time playing football. Yeah. Like you really don't know where it's going to lead you. And People always say like, oh man, like you're, you're going to have some of the greatest friends of your life from these, from the locker rooms. You're going to miss practice and all these things. And when I finished playing, I was like, I don't miss anything. I really don't. And like, it's ironic because a lot of people can say the same thing about high school. Oh, you're so your best friends are going to come from high school, best friends from university. And it's like, that's always the case for everybody. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, this, maybe this is a general theme of like expectations versus reality, like building up this expectation, like your best friend, you're going to play alongside him and you would die for him and blah, blah, blah. And you guys are going to go through thick and thin and you're going to meet your future boss from football. It's like, there's no guarantee that's going to happen. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes it doesn't happen. The only guys who most of the time get those experiences are the ones that actually play the ones that people will remember. That's the tough reality of being in that situation. And so I think if you can even make friends from football, amazing. That's an extreme bonus. And actually the funny thing is it was Brian Towers, who used to be head coach of Saskatchewan. I tried out for U of S in 2016. Musha guy. guy, Yeah. He went to Peacock, went to my high school. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he told me something. I think is actually a, a a great way to 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 wrap today's episode. He's he was saying he's you know he's like he's like I'm gonna be honest with you like you know playing playing uh or being being a university student athlete is is a great experience, but the most important thing you should always focus on is what you're gonna do for the rest of your life. You know, he's like if you can play football on top of going to school, that's a bonus. When he said that to me, I was like, what are you talking about? Like. Isn't the purpose like I'm literally moving around, like being a gypsy going everywhere just so I can play football. Like school comes afterwards, right? I'll get whatever degree is, you know, best degree available is what I'll get. But then it wasn't until I realized a few years after it's like, wow, it's been five years since I've played football. It's now been the same amount of time since I played football that I even spent doing it. And Mm -hmm. I don't miss it. And that's okay. And that was just a chapter in my life that is over. And it's and your life isn't over because football ends. And I think that's where a lot of people can get caught up in in being married to an identity and not they're not willing to let it die. And if you're willing to let these preconceived identities that other people and labels people give you, if you let that die, then that's when you become truly free to live. Cause then you can be 
you can do whatever you want. 100%, man. I was going to say the exact same thing. Um, the only constant is like, is change. Um, so I like back, you know, five years ago, I was about, I was about to go out to U Ottawa and I was feeling real good. I was playing some of the best football of my life. And I went to Ottawa in first year and I did play really well. Um, and now look fast forward five years. Yeah. Now I'm, now I'm done. And it's like, if you told me, I never really thought about being done playing. Uh, I think a lot of guys, a lot of people with anything, uh, with high athletics, because it's just something I've always done. And again, not to sound like this, but around Musha, I'm kind of known as like the, the quarterback, the football guy. Um, and now I'm not doing that anymore. And so again, it's like moving away from that identity, which is tough. Like you said, um, I, I'm the same way. I don't miss going to meetings, you know, training camp. My, one of my best friends, McGuire Abel's going his last year at the Rams. And we were kind of talking about training camp. I'm like, yeah, I don't miss training camp. <laughs> I don't want, like, I, don't, I, I, I miss, I miss hanging out with the boys and chopping up the fellas, but I can go do that. You know, I have a great group of friends. I can go go other ways to do that, but it's a great quality. Your life is not over just because football ends. Your life's not done at 26, right? I'm trying to make it to 100. We'll see. I'm going to have to get on your uh, nutrition or fitness plan. Um, I get those rich piano arms, get get them going. But, uh, you know, I got a lot more life to live. I'm excited about it. I, that, and that's why I've kind of made that transition of like when I was an asshole a couple weeks ago, I was so stuck in like, man, whatever i'll go get a shovel and i'll just dig ditches for the next 74 years but now i'm kind of like no nah, man like i got a lot of opportunity like life's exciting like life's good you know I'm, I'm blessed i got great family great friends um you know some things don't go my way in my life it's like whatever you know i let it roll keep it moving and uh, i'm excited for for the future so uh, this is this kind of honestly this kind of reinvigorated me of like i kind of needed this honestly i appreciate it because like it's tough. I mean, we're boys, but it's tough. We don't hang out all the time. We've actually never, never met in person. We, we send each other uh, yes. stuff. On yeah, exactly. We will, though. I'll get you on MJ. A couple of brewskis with the fellas. A couple of brews with 12 um, in the backyard. But it's just good to, like, have these conversations. Because I think a lot of people see it like, oh, whatever. It's just a bunch of cheesy talk. Whatever. It's, it's like, man, a lot of people are going through it. I know I'm going through it. I know you're going through it. I think a lot of us are. And it's just about being open about it and talking about it. And it just helps you realize like, man, you're not behind. You're right where I need to be. And life is good. And it's only, you know, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but life's good right now. So it's going to be all right. Just keep going. Yeah, man. Amen. That's, that, that's a, that's a great way to wrap, man. I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. You know, we're, we're pretty blessed to be in the positions we're in. We're living, breathing. We have clothing on our backs, food in our stomachs, and a roof over our heads. So we're we've already won the lottery of being being born. Another cheesy quote, but you gotta again <laughs> because if everyone's re- everyone's replaceable, proof in a hundred years everyone's dead or most yeah. people. So there you go. Do what you want because life is gonna pass you by if you don't. For sure. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me uh, on the show. And I guess I guess closing yeah i think it's like you just keep going you know something cool will come along um and just keep your eyes open and uh not be scared to take a chance that'll be my biggest thing not that i i don't want to sound preachy or like i think people can tell by now i've i'm just living day by day um kind of a bit of a hippie i take it day by day i don't want to tell anyone how to live uh i stay as open-minded as i can but at the same time i know through my experiences i've learned that uh you never know uh 
what's ahead. Um, like tomorrow could be crazy. Who knows? I mean, I'll be in, I'll be doing nothing in Moose Jaw tomorrow. So, but I, I don't mind doing that either. So, but thanks, man. I appreciate it.